You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father in heaven, now we ask that as we open your word, that the preaching of your word would be your word for the sake and glory of your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. I want to look at both the Matthew passage today as well as the 1 Corinthians passage. Uh, We'll kind of tie those two together a little bit as they uh, speak hand in hand this morning. First of all, as we jump into Matthew chapter 4, we find that Jesus is in a place where he is beginning to call his first disciples and beginning his preaching ministry. Now, what's led us to this place is that John the Baptist, his cousin, has been preaching that the kingdom of God is near. And so droves of folks have come out to John the Baptist to be baptized, and now John has been arrested. And so Jesus finds his home in Capernaum. He does this uh, as a fulfillment of the prophecy of old, and he has no real, uh, I guess, attraction, I would say, to the town of Capernaum because it's not a very attractive place. It's a place where fishing and farming took place. Not flashy, not, wow, the real estate is great here. This was truly where Jesus knew he was supposed to be among the common folk, among the Gentiles, as he would begin his preaching ministry. And he begins to build on John's preaching. John says the kingdom of God is near. And here's this quick little shift as Jesus begins to preach. Did you notice his words? And these are the first words spoken in the Gospel of Mark by Jesus But he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Or the kingdom of God is here. In other words, what you've waited for, what you've longed for, this Messiah that you've been praying for, I'm here. This kingdom that is coming is now present in me, Jesus, he says. It was a call to action. It was a call to do something. It was a call to step into the kingdom of God being present. When I was in middle school, I played basketball, and I had this great idea that I would be the greatest basketball player ever if I could dunk the basketball. So I began to make preparations in middle school, and it might come as a surprise to some of you if you were to stand beside me that I was the tallest kid in eighth grade. And so I had a lot of hope. I thought, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to get taller. Life is going to be good. Everybody's going to think I'm great because I can dunk. And then I didn't realize at the time that the height that I was in eighth grade would be the height that I would be the rest of my life. (laughs) And I kept, um, I jokingly say, my my dad is 6'3", my grandfather was 6'4", But then there's my mom, and I joke with my mom and say, Mom, it's your fault I'm not six foot. You're much shorter. Uh, She says, yes, I'm going to hand that one to God, not me. Um, But anyway, I had a plan to try to dunk a basketball. I thought, I can do this. And so I purchased these shoes. I don't know if you know these shoes from the 80s that that, that guaranteed you to be able to gain six to eight inches on your vertical leap. And I read books on how to jump higher, and so I, I built a box so that I could jump higher and get, uh, get that vertical leap up. I knew everything there was to know about how to dunk a basketball, how to jump higher, and yet I didn't fully implement the plan. I gave up on the plan. I tried. 
I had the knowledge, but I wasn't willing to go forward with the knowledge of making it happen. This was what Jesus had called them to. You've had a knowledge of the kingdom. Now, I'm calling you to action. I'm calling you to do something with this, for the kingdom of God is now here, and it requires a response. And what he is calling the disciples to is a response to follow him, to actively enter into discipleship. Now, that's a funny word. There's a couple observations I'll make about the word. It's not in the Bible anywhere. The word discipleship is not in Scripture. The term is ambiguous a bit in English. We might say, when we say discipleship, a sense of my own pattern of following Jesus, trusting Him and learning from Him, certainly the case, that is my discipleship. It could also mean that it's an activity of helping others to be disciples in the sense of learning from Jesus and growing in Him. Now, there is a term in Scripture of the calling of disciples, which we gather discipleship from. And for those who love to hear Greek words in sermons, here's your Greek word for the day, mathetuo. It means to make disciples. This is what we see in Scripture in the New Testament, to go and to make disciples, to pour into. This is what Jesus would do is he would make disciples. But notice in the calling of Matthew, in Matthew's uh, account of the calling of the first disciples, he called them They were fishermen. These were four fishermen. And Jesus called Peter and Andrew, and then he called James and John, all fishermen. And what did they do? They dropped everything to follow him. They dropped their nets right there. James and John, I mean, poor Zebedee, you know, he's out there fishing with his sons, and they're like, peace out, Dad, we're gone. And and just leave him. The journey that Jesus was calling them upon was much greater than the fish in the sea that they had caught. They would be called to make more disciples later on in Matthew's gospel. We see at the end, you go and make disciples of all nations. The idea of fishing for men had more appeal than fishing for fish. Have you ever been fishing before? It can be a discouraging thing. It can be fun at times, and it depends on what your attitude is going into fishing. You know, some fish, you can go to Oak Mountain, and you can fish off the the side there and catch a few little small things, fun to catch. You can take a boat out even in the the lake and catch it. Well, about nine years ago, when I still lived in Florida, I had a friend that had a deep-sea fishing boat, and he was out there all the time. And he said, anytime you want to go, just call me. We'll go out. And so there was a group of guys that we had said, man, it'd it'd be fun to go fishing. Let's do this. So I called Gary up, my friend, and said, hey, we want to go fishing this weekend. How does Friday look? And he said, so far it looks great. Well, then he calls me on Thursday and says, hey, you remember when I said it looked great? It doesn't look so great anymore. Uh, The waves are going to be a little higher than what we would like to go fishing, but we can still go if you want to go. And I thought, well, what's a few little short waves? I mean, no big deal, right? It's just a couple feet, rock the boat a little bit, as long as we can still catch some fish, all is well. Well, what he didn't tell us was the expectation was actually seven to eight foot waves. Now, we weren't on a yacht. We were on a small fishing boat. We get out to where we're supposed to begin trolling for large fish, and there was no trolling possible because the boat literally was rocking so much that we couldn't stand up in the boat. 
And he's like, well, throw some line out there and let's see what happens. At this point, we're just trying to keep our breakfast down. Who cares about fish and not die while we're out there? The only fish we were able to catch was kind of like fly fishing in the ocean. We snagged a couple that we saw swimming around in the water. It was a miserable day of fishing. Everybody lost their lunch, by the way, uh, on that fishing trip. Fishing can be awful. It can be rewarding. It can be awful. And Jesus did not call the disciples because they would be great at fishing. He called them because he saw past any potential failure or success and knew that complete reliance on him would produce more fish than they had ever seen in the sea. To be a good fisherman, you have to be dedicated, determined, and willing to get past the days when the fish are not responding. And listen to this. Jesus has a desire to use you in spite of you for his glory to fish for men. Let me tell you again. Jesus has a desire to use you in spite of you for his glory. Praise God this morning that's the case. Because I don't have the abilities that I need to do this. But Jesus does. And he doesn't give his disciples, those he's calling, he doesn't give them an option. He just says, follow me. Follow me. You have a knowledge of who I am. I'm going to teach you what it looks like to be obedient to the things that I'm calling you to do. And as active followers and disciples, there's a clear differentiation of those not willing and those willing to live out this call. Now, we get to 1 Corinthians. Paul. Paul's addressing something a little different, but it it ties in really well as he's talking to the church in Corinth. And he's saying, you all are divided in what you're doing. You've You've drawn party lines. You're basing your faith on the person who has baptized you, whether that's Peter or whether that's Paul or whether that's Apollos or even some of you Christ. Is Christ divided in this? And what Paul would go on to say is that the cross is our identity. It is in Jesus that we find our identity. The message of the cross is not something that only applies to entering of the people of God. It applies as you enter into faith, but it also changes our entire life. The entirety of our life together is an identity in the cross. The cross transforms the value of our actions and our status. And what Paul does is he beckons the Corinthian church to participate in the story of the cross, a narrative in which all that we think we know about the world, its value, its knowledge, its wisdom, its virtue, is reconfigured by God's great act of salvation in Christ. Paul begins his letter by summoning the Corinthians to live into their identity in Christ. In particular, Paul calls them to unity. It's not a Paul thing. It's not a Peter thing. It's not an Apollos thing. It is a Jesus thing that unified those who would be willing to lay down their life, give up their comforts, and follow after him because they have now found a new identity in nothing other than Jesus and the cross. Christ's own crucifixion saves us, and our baptism into his name makes us Christ people, which also signifies a people of the cross. See, it's one thing to have a knowledge of the cross. It's another thing to live out life of the cross. There's an illustration that I often use about a three-legged stool where you have knowledge on one leg, you have obedience on another, and you have sharing on another. 
And what Paul and what Jesus are speaking into here is you have a knowledge of the kingdom. You have a knowledge of who Jesus is. And the knowledge is great and wonderful and it, re- it is required for the stool to stand. But if that leg is so much longer than the obedience legs and the sharing leg of the gospel, then it is sure to fall over. What Paul and Jesus, I believe, are calling us to are the ramifications of living in the cross. That we would not just have a knowledge of Jesus, but that we would lay down the very things we think are important to be obedient to the things he thinks are important. The story says that Christ is crucified, and when we act as though anything else or anyone else defines who we are, then we deny the story of salvation. Paul, for Paul, the ramifications of of a party line and the party spirit are nothing less than the denial of the gospel itself. And when we put our identity in anything else, it becomes idolatry and it's not of Jesus. So I ask you this question this morning. What does it look like today for you to answer the call and follow Jesus? What needs to die today so that Christ might be alive and working in you. What do you need to put to death today? What idea, what thought, what action needs to die today so that Christ may be alive in you, so that you might be obedient to the call he's giving you? I'll close with this statement that I made just a minute ago because I think it's that powerful that Jesus has a desire to use you in spite of you for his glory are you willing to let him this morning because he so desires to amen you've been listening to audio from the cathedral church of the advent if you live in birmingham or find yourself visiting we hope you'll join us for one of our sunday services find out more at adventbirmingham.org